Hey everybody, my name is Chris, and I'm uh, on staff here at the Inn, and uh, it's my pleasure to welcome you all to the Christmas Inn 2011. Uh, that's right, you can tell by the sweater, it's festive. Um, we are going to celebrate Christmas tonight, uh, and if you can look around the room, you'll see that we really like Christmas here at the Inn. Um, we had a tree, and we had the Grinch and Santa, right? Sean Anderson's wearing his cool hat, that's what I'm talking about. Um, so, tonight... Things are going to look a little different. Um, I'm not going to be up here giving you guys the traditional talk. Um, instead, I want to tell you a story and invite you all into that story. Um, to get us started, I want to just go ahead and pose the kind of the guiding question for tonight. Uh, and that is this. What is Christmas? Okay, what is Christmas? The reason I ask is that I don't think... We are entirely honest with ourselves when we answer this question. And I'm not saying that you guys don't understand the Christmas story or that you guys haven't heard it or you don't get it. What I'm trying to get at tonight, what we're going to talk about tonight, is that I think we all know what we want Christmas to be about. We, we know, we think, oh, friends, family, maybe Jesus. Uh, you know, if you're here, that probably means you, you think it's about Jesus a little bit. Um, I'm not saying you guys don't know that. What I'm getting at is that when I, when I see the way we celebrate Christmas these days, uh, I get this feeling that um, despite the fact that we know what Christmas is about, we, uh, we somehow we get stuck in this mental trap. And what I mean by that is if I were to guess what Christmas is about based on what I see, I would guess that Christmas is really about perfection. That's what we think it's about, about perfection. Um, for some reason, when it comes to this time of year, we get stuck in this mind rut of thinking everything we do that's related to Christmas has to be perfect. And where this is really evident to me is when we hear talk of things like the perfect gift, the perfect Christmas tree, or the perfect family dinner, a perfect Christmas dinner, right? Does that sound familiar to anybody? Um, where it's even more evident to me is this idea, you know, where this idea that Christmas is about perfection is even more evident is when I see the way people react to things when they don't go perfectly at Christmas time. Um, so, in, for example, this is what I'm talking about. Uh, this is a little insight into where this is all coming from tonight. Um, just last weekend, my wife and I, we, uh, we drove up and we decided we were going to go and get our very first Christmas tree as a married couple, right? Cute, I know. Um, we, I grew up with a fake tree, right? And she grew up going down to the tree lot down the street. And so we decided, hey, we're going to start a new tradition. First year as a married couple, we're going to go cut one down in the forest, right? We're going to be awesome. Um, so we, uh, we saddled up. We left Seattle around 2 o'clock, um, and we drove up to Skykomish, which is uh, about an hour and a half from here on Highway 2, uh, with a, little, a few bad directions from the guy at REI. We ended up uh, getting to our destination around 4 o'clock. So for those of you who are paying attention to the seasons around here, that meant we had 30 minutes of daylight to get the perfect Christmas tree, right? So... If you guys know me at all, you know that I'm not a guy who's going to drive two hours to come back empty-handed. We were going to find a tree. So we hop out of the car. We lace up. We're running around the forest like crazy. We're like, oh, is this one it? Is this one it? No, no, no. Okay, whatever. We keep looking. About 15 minutes later, we see one. Boom. I think that's it. We hike across this little stream. It's very dangerous. We almost fall in. It's about two inches of water. could have been very hazardous. We get there. We kind of debate, oh, is it full enough? I don't know. Shake the snow off. I had my wife shake the snow off, even though she didn't have a hat on and I was fully covered. I'm a good husband. 
We shake it off. Ah, looks good enough. Cut it down. All right, cut it down, drag it to the car, strap it on the roof, drive it back home, get it off the car, trim it up, sit it in the stand, which is a real pain if you've ever tried it, decorate it, and this is what we got. Right? Huh? Okay. So this is what I would say, you know, jokingly, this is the perfect Christmas tree, right? But, and you can leave this up for a second, it doesn't take a genius to know that that is not, in fact, the perfect Christmas tree, right? You're not going to see this in any good housekeeping magazines. You're not going to see it in the window at Macy's, right? This is not the ideal Christmas tree. Um, and to be honest, 100% honest, my wife and I, we are a little embarrassed about this thing. <laughs> she was not happy that I was showing this picture tonight. Um, you know, and as much as we, we wish we had just gone to the tree lot and saved ourselves, you know, five hours, several, you know, hours of, of driving and all that and some money, uh, as much as we wish we had done that, I, I'm actually glad we did this because this whole experience is what brought all of this, what I'm talking about, uh, to the front forefront for me tonight. And what I mean is that when I, you know, okay, obviously this tree is not going to win any awards. We've already, we've already covered that. Um, but is that the point? No, right? We all know that's not the point. So why then, why then am I embarrassed? Why do we all laugh when we see this tree? Right? It is funny. It's okay. I'm not offended. Um, I think it's because we all have this idea in our head of what the perfect Christmas tree is. It looks something like that, right? We have this idea in our heads, and we know very well that that picture is not it. That is not the ideal Christmas tree. I can look at that and very confidently say that is not the perfect Christmas tree. Why? It's just not good enough. It's not full enough. Whatever you want to say, it's not good enough. Where does that come from, right? It's the way I react to that, the way I kind of see that, and I go, that's not it. It's not good enough. It's almost like I've never actually read the Christmas story. Because if you want to talk about a story or a t uh, you know, this, this account of things happening not according to plan, things not going like they should have or not going perfectly, look at the Christmas story. Um, the world that Jesus entered into as a baby was a mess. My hope is that as we go through this story tonight, which is what we're going to do, we're going to go through the Christmas story tonight. As we go through this story tonight, my hope is that you will see that. You will see that uh, the reality was that it was a mess, and you'll begin to honestly evaluate the perceptions you have about Christmas. And hopefully, you'll find a little bit of freedom tonight from this, this perception that you have to be perfect this time of year. In order to do this, I want to invite you guys to do two things. As we read tonight, I want you to first... Put yourself in some of these characters' shoes. doesn't matter if you're a guy or girl. You can be any character. You know what this feels like. Put yourself in their shoes and try to imagine, what would I say? What would I do if this was me? Second of all, I want you to, to uh, try to identify all the places in this story where things do not go according to plan. And I'll give you a hint. There's a lot of them. Um, to, and the, the thing I want to do this, my hope as we do this is that... Um, we will begin to see that Christmas has never, ever been about perfection at all. And yet there's still something very special about this time of year. And that's what I hope we can figure out tonight. So our story begins in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. I'm going to read this on the, in my Bible, and you guys can read along on the screen. It starts Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. 
The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Okay, so (laughs) we've developed a few visual aids to help you guys kind of get into the story a little bit more. So if you would, just kind of follow along on the screen with me as we go through this. Okay, so imagine you are Mary. Boom. Your life's pretty good. You live in a small town. Uh, maybe you don't have a ton of money, but you're engaged to be married to a guy who comes from the family of David, as in King David, the one who killed Goliath. So things are pretty good. And then one day there's this angel. <laughs> he pops out of nowhere as you're sitting in the park reading your book, and he's like, hey, what's up, Mary? I'm an angel. He sits down next to you and starts telling you all this stuff, and you're willing to oblige him in his conversation. After all, he is very angelic looking. But then, out of nowhere, he drops a bomb on you. Boom! You, Mary, are going to have a baby. (laughs) His name will be Jesus. This baby will be your child, but he will also be the son of God. So no pressure. You can see in Mary's face that things just got real. Of course, being the lady that you are, you wonder, how will this happen? First of all, you're a virgin, and you know what it takes to get pregnant. Second, you're engaged to a guy who is definitely not trying to get any pregame action in. Third, you don't plan on cheating anytime soon. And fourth, your dad isn't exactly the most open-minded guy. It's a good-looking cat. So how is this whole baby thing going to happen? Don't worry, says the angel. God's going to make it happen. Nothing is impossible with God. Now, if you're anyone else, this is where you start to complain. You start to complain about how, oh, there's going to be so many things I can't do when I'm prego. Or, this isn't in my five-year plan. Or, really, if you're, if you're really honest, you're like, hey, the people in my town are probably going to kill me for thinking I'm an adulteress, so I don't understand how this is all going to work out. But, you're Mary. You know what's up. So you respond, let it be as you've said, I'm in. And then, just like that, Angel rolls. His buddies pick him up. He's out of here. (laughs) See you, Mary. What a weird conversation, no? To me, the strangest part of all of this is Mary's reaction, right? Let it be as you've said. So many things about this are so far from ideal. Really, this guy just comes to you and says, hey, you're going to be pregnant all of a sudden. You're like, what? I was not planning on that. Right from the start, we see so many things about this story that are Far from perfect. And yet, in Mary's response, we see this element of peace. Where does that come from? 